Penn State Conversations is a podcast hosted by the Alumni Society Board's Young Alumni Council of the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications. This monthly podcast will discuss key aspects of life in the professional world for young and upcoming communications alumni. Please enjoy this month's Penn State Conversation. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to the third episode of Penn State Conversations. My name is Maria Lana Baloris. I am your host of this week's episode. You may remember I hosted the first one back a couple months ago with Dean Harden about the Belisario gift. But today we are joined by a different guest. Her name is Catherine Barrett. She is a Penn State alum as well, living down here on Hampton Roads with me. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Maria Elena. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I know I just mentioned you are a fellow Penn Stater, of course, but you also are a former uh, TV reporter and anchor. So if you could kind of share, would you, you start with sharing your story with us? Well, thank you very much. Again, it's, yeah. a, it's a pleasure to be here. As you mentioned, I graduated in Speechcom and um, I had worked at Penn State um, in radio and TV at Penn State doing an internship. And I also worked downtown, big downtown in quotes, <laughs> because it was, it was commercial and real, um, as, as well as uh, working at WDFM news, do, as a newscaster, of course. Uh, worked downtown doing morning drive news for, um, w, for uh, WXLR, the mellow one. The mellow one. Oh, wow, That's you got right. that down. Oh, yeah. And uh, so when I graduated, I was fortunate enough to have had that commercial experience, which is what um, management was looking for. Okay. Uh, they totally expected you to have done the volunteer work and the internships. And um, I think that remains to, the day, to this day. That's very important. But so anyway, okay. um, I figured you had to work your way up. So I started in radio news, and my first job was in Wilkes-Barre, uh, Pennsylvania. And okay. second job in Kingston. This is doing radio news. Mm -hmm. And then I moved into television. Uh, the Gateway was a show called PM Magazine, which was not news, more lifestyle. But I used that as a gateway to get into WNEP in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And from there, I went to Anchor News in Roanoke, Virginia. And from there, I got an entree into the Norfolk market, which was a big jump up in market size, um, hosting a show called Tidewater Evening, and that didn't last very long and moved into news. What was, was Tidewater Evening also a lifestyle show? Yes, it, yeah, it sure was. It was oh, cool. patterned a little bit after um, the PM Magazine kind of thing. And that was being, um, that was a product of the Corinthians Corporation, which is station that I came to work for here in uh, Norfolk, WVEC, mm -hmm. was was owned by Corinthian at the time, and they were doing that show system-wide. So anyway, um, fortunately got to move into news, which is where I wanted to be. Yeah, and uh, was general assignment reporter and okay. did, you know, all kinds of, as, as you know, general assignment takes you everywhere. <laughs> it does. And actually, I like many people who come to the Norfolk, Virginia market, I thought I'd be here like maybe two years and move on. Mm -hmm. But I stayed 
at that station for over 25 years. It's a great, great market. It's sort of medium market, but big market news with the Navy, the, all the military around here. Oh yeah. There's so many opportunities. And uh, I finished my career here uh, as a longtime medical reporter and I was so fortunate to be able to specialize. Uh, these days you don't see that much of it anymore, but no. uh, specialty reporting, but had a really, really interesting and exciting career doing that. So that so kind of brings me to when I decided not to renew my contract and move on and do other okay. freelance kind of work. Okay. Yeah. So two questions. The first one, what me, you mentioned it's rare to, to specialize. So how did you make your way into that? And why did that happen? What did you like about that? I moved into specialty reporting because no fascinating story here. The woman who did it before me left. Okay. The position was open. Well, that's how I, it goes sometimes. And I said, hey, I can do that. A lot of people have asked me, or all through my career, people asked me uh, if I was a nurse or if I had, you know, medical experience. Um, mm -hmm. And no, I didn't, but I always loved to study languages. And I thought, you know, if I can just interpret the medical, medical ease, you know, the mm -hmm. medical language into English, that's really all I had to do. Oh, plus, you know, learn the material. And I always, I thought it was kind of like a term paper a day you know? Oh, yeah. You know, learning what is hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and do a story <laughs> on it. And I loved learning something new all the time and meeting such fascinating people throughout my career. That's so cool. And, you know, it, it I felt it gave me just a little bit more control of my life mm -hmm. rather than a general assignment reporter where you know, you may be in a courtroom all day, all night, and not know what time you're going to get home. Whereas a medical reporter gave me a little bit more, maybe not a lot, but a little bit more <laughs> control of, of the days. Of the yeah, days. absolutely. I mean, working in this market now for anyone, I, I guess I didn't introduce myself. I also work in the market down here as an, as an anchor, and re anchor and reporter, and you really never know where you're going to go or when what the day is going to bring which is part of the fun of it but like you were saying Catherine I can totally understand wanting to have a little bit more control and a little more stability in a way in, in your day-to-day -day work so then my other question going back to your, your bio there um, you, you mentioned that you thought you would be in Norfolk for two years and then move on and I know a lot of people when there are toward the end of their college career young alums myself included you, you kind of think, oh, I'm going to go for two years and then two years and another two years and then I'll pick where I want to stay and, and that'll be it. How did you decide to stay and what made you stay when you, you came to Norfolk? I, after I graduated from high school, I moved to Paris and lived there for a few, few I was a very late bloomer. Okay. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I moved to Paris and lived with the family as a fee au pair and took care of their kids and lived with family friends and traveled wow. around and came home and did all kinds of odds and end jobs before I decided, okay, it's time to buckle down and, and mm. get a degree and, um, and start off at Penn State and see where it took me. So I've been to, I think, 10 countries, um, two war zones. I've oh been my. on 
I've been on more aircraft carriers than I can actually remember. <laughs> um, and, and that leads me to um, why your question about why stay, mm -hmm. particularly in this market. You know, there are family concerns I mentioned. And then mm -hmm. the market, I mean, how many other markets besides some major networks can you um, cover combat tent hospitals in Iraq? And I've been to combat tent hospitals in uh, Croatia wow. during the war in the former Yugoslavia. Oh my um, gosh. I've done more tailhook landings than a lot of people in the Navy. I uh, was embedded with the, the Air Force, took my photographer and I to Iraq. Uh, the Navy took a photographer and me to um, Croatia. That was, wow. that was, these are some really exciting moments. I just yeah. want to, I just want to balance it by saying, you know, for every um, career making trip like those and mm -hmm. some others have been around the world with a, a nonprofit organization that does um, cleft lip surgery. Okay. Went to many um, countries with them. For every one of those, there's like 10 stories on the flu, okay? We just, <laughs> exactly. There is ups and downs. I just, I just want to point that out, that there, <laughs> there are, there's a balance. And for yes. every time they say, oh, let's, you, we really need to do a story on this um, virus that's going through a daycare. And you're like going, oh, yeah, okay. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's do that again. There's um, some new in vitro technology being developed right across the street at Eastern Virginia Medical School. Or um, I went to the, uh, to John Glenn's launch in space, the second one, hello, oh, wow. the second one, not the first one. I, I don't think <laughs> I was born then. But, um, so, you know, been to Kennedy Space Center several times. And um, I think I was about to say that, or maybe I did say that there are some Navy folks that I met that were so jealous of Oh, All the wow. times we caught, caught it out to aircraft carriers and did a s series of reports on the first women on the first aircraft carrier. That was the Ike. Um, so, yeah. So those there are the were... kinds of things that I think you, you don't think you're going to take into consideration when you start out in this career. Mm -hmm. But, but you, you see them and you develop them and they, they come part of your decision-making process, Maria Elena. Okay. So what are some of the other things, I know you've been out of the industry for a few years now, but what are some of the other things that you saw or have seen that have changed and are changing? I mean, obviously it's constantly changing. We're always, a new social media is coming up or a, you know, a new piece of technology, a new way to do your story. But what are some of like the big the, changes that you've seen? The technology um, aspect of of um, the newsroom has changed drastically. Okay. And, you know, back from the days when we were in Penn, at Penn State and we were taught how to edit tape for radio was actually literally slicing and dicing. Oh my. I know. But <laughs> it, it's like, really? We did that? Um, you know, tape to tape, then tape to tape being, you know, the big reel to reel mm -hmm. tapes. Um, and, you know, the change to, to, um, you know, beta cams, woohoo, but <laughs> there's three quarter inch tape. We were carrying around these heavy, heavy, um, uh, 
recorders. Oh, wow. And, you know, of course, a good reporter always carried that for their photographer. <laughs> um, and, and today, what, what you're dealing with today is such an explosion in digital technology, I can't imagine where it's going to take you. Um, it's a lot. I mean, there's, there's always something. There's always something. And I think, I think you're in a position to know more about how that technology influences the day-to-day -day editorial decisions, if at all. I'm not really mm -hmm. sure. Um, but there, there is so much to take into consideration. Um, and one of them is just not really into consideration, but an observation is just when I go into a newsroom today, they're so quiet. So quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody has on headsets and is is one to one with their um, laptop, and maybe they're doing editing or maybe not. But listening, oh, it's so different than the days of um, the police scanners blasting and everybody just so everything was so loud. You had to really be able to concentrate. Okay, it's it's a little bit different today. I'm not sure if that's a very good answer, but oh. Um, I think it's great. But I think I, there's advantages to, to every technology. Um, it's just the key of is, how, do you, how does the technology influence what you're doing? And just to always remember that the, the focus is on the content, right? Mm -hmm. And the technology is just a vehicle. Right. And to, I think there's a constant, I don't want to say struggle, but a constant goal to figure out where does the, the, the perfect balance lie in, in using the technology in its best capacity without overdoing it or underusing it. And then the whole um, Facebook lives and you're tweeting and trying to now do more digital because that's where a lot of trends. I mean, I just, I saw a study in Reuters that has said TV viewership has gone down three to 4% a year since 2012. And right. those right. audiences are going online. So how does TV news adapt to the changing audiences? How do we go from, you know, do we need to think outside of traditional TV and traditional web? There's so many questions. And then technology all just plays into that. When your share of the, audi uh, share of the pie is smaller and smaller, the, the ratings and the share don't uh, add up the way they used to, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think if you or I could answer that question of where is our business going in the digital age, we would, yeah, we'd, we'd be in management somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we'd, be do, we'd be doing all right. Yeah, absolutely. We would. In the meantime, I think we need to remember that we are, we are, we have a, a, a lot of, um, of power in our hands, if that's the right word. Power is not okay. really the right word, but influence, I think. And mm -hmm. going back, maybe not so much the technology, but, um, but the message that we have. I, I always forgot when I, not I always forgot, I sometimes forgot the position um, and the, that we have and the, and the um, responsibility that it brings. Yeah, yeah. For like, the, all the times that, you know, doing, like, for example, the medical stories I mentioned earlier. Um, I got to know Dr. Mehmet Oz before he ever had a TV show of his own, Dr. Oh, Oz. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and um, that's, that's because uh, one of the hospital systems in our region um, partnered with 
um, Columbia, New York, where he was a cardiac surgeon. And so he would come here uh, occasionally and give give seminars and that kind of thing. And I had the opportunity to do stories on him and talk with him one-on-one -on -one about different uh, developments in cardiac surgery. That was our focus. Okay. And and I I remember saying to him, I am so surprised. He's like, by what? And I said, because this is when he was back on Oprah frequently. I said, mm -hmm. because you talk, you talk to me exactly the way I see you talking to Oprah. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just a medical reporter here in, you know, little old Norfolk, Virginia. <laughs> and, and he said, what? <laughs> he said, you are one of the best educators I know in the country. Oh, wow. And I, I was shocked, really. Aww. And I think what he was telling me is, you know, don't forget you have that responsibility. You are an educator. And I never really thought of myself that way or really any of us. I don't know why, right. but I, I just didn't. So, um, but speaking of Dr. Oz, it, it does get me back to a little bit of the, you know, that old cliche that about being in this business that you're on, you have the opportunity to be on the front row seat of so the front row oh, yeah. of so of many things that are happening, of yeah. history, of just all kinds of things, and the people that you get to meet. And yes, there's a lot of responsibility. And yes, you know what? There's a lot of fun, too. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of fun. So this hopefully people who are listening to this, maybe they're going to be graduates soon or they just got into the field. They're in their first job at small market TV. What would you tell them? What would you say to them about the industry or any advice, anything you wish you knew at that point in time? I would say, take it. Take the opportunity. Take the chances that you are given. And then you'll see where you can go. Take the initiative. I would say, network, network, network. Nothing will get you through the black hole of online job searches <laughs> more than a personal reference. Okay. Um, you'll be surprised at how small the business is and how long the friendships you create in the early days of your career will last and how long the contacts you develop over your career will last. I would say take the opportunities that are given you to network. So. Uh, yes, I think, as I mentioned earlier, that's really important to do all that stuff. If you're going to go into um, broadcast journalism, radio, television, whatever, you know, print, whatever it might be, there is so much competition. Um, you better show that there's a reason to hire you, right? Mm -hmm. You better have this resume. I'm just saying that. Another thing I would say is believe in yourself because... Yeah, yeah, believe you in yourself, to. but but at the same time, produce work that justifies that belief. Okay. Because I've I've come across people who have a whole lot of belief in themselves, but eh, you know, I'm not really sure that maybe they're <laughs> the right people to be in, to be in the business. So yeah, make sure you have the work. Um, so then the time that your boss spends looking at resume reels, tapes, whatever you call them these days, looking for new <laughs> talent won't, won't be quite as intimidating. And at the same time that I say believe in yourself, I also say never forget your team. Appreciate okay. your team. Remember that 
if you're off on an exciting assignment, somebody else back in your shop is picking up the slack, mm -hmm. meaning filling your slot. If it's television, you know, that they're still going to have an hour newscast. And if you're, right. if you're on the air at every day at five thirty and six o'clock, somebody and five o'clock, somebody else needs to fill that slot, whether it's a producer writing or another reporter having to do, you know, two packages instead of one for that half hour show, you know, and just appreciate them and someone you know of has your back, whether you know it or not, and always appreciate the team around you, the, the floor, treat everybody the same, whether they're on the floor crew just starting out mm -hmm. or have been in the business so very long. Those are some and of my thoughts. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's all so awesome to hear. And especially, like you said, you know, just at the end, they're treating everyone kindly. Because no mm -hmm. matter what happens in this industry, whether it stays traditional news, whether it becomes fully online, working well with others, your team, that will never change. And that is so key, especially in TV. Because and you are a team. And if you don't, it will catch up to you at some point. Maybe mm -hmm. not at the station right you're now, it, right where you are right now. If you think you're all that, believe me, you'll find out that you're not. Um, so <laughs> you're, it's reality, yeah. It is reality, and grow and and have have a thick skin. Yeah, it's it's important. Um, you have to be prepared for the days where somebody writes you a letter after you have done a story that you've worked so hard on, you know, on, I can remember one, on pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, which is very controversial at the time mm -hmm. when it was first developed um, here at Eastern Virginia Medical School, by the way, oh, there you in go. Norfolk. And the idea was that if that researchers could study your, this is tied to in vitro, researchers could study your embryos and not implant the ones that had uh, genes that would create fatal, known fatal diseases. For example, Tay-Sachs. So if okay. you wanted to go through that, you could have um, embryo an embryo implanted that was free of the Tay-Sachs gene. Just, just imagine that whole concept and the first family to go through that, which I followed. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and, and just remember that those those kind of things, they're so emotionally grueling, they're so controversial, and they're so factual, and then you produce a series on it, and the first, the first reply or response you get from a viewer, which I got one, I thought it would be something controversial, how could you support it, what, whatever. She, this woman wrote this letter, and at the end she said, Catherine Barrett, that's not a hairdo. That's a hair don't. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Wow. Yeah, the, the hair was probably pretty awful. I've been through some pretty bad hairstyles over the years, especially when perming was the thing. She oh was boy. She was probably absolutely right. But you got to be, you know, like a duck and. Oh, yeah. Right. Have it roll right and off your back. <laughs> right off your back. You know, and I don't know if this is. People tell me that this has gotten, it's increased. The, uh, inter the internet gives people the ability to say anything and they, you know, are hiding behind a screen. I, I mean, 
how many times have I gotten a nasty comment on Facebook? More than I can count at this point. And you're Elena, like, well, I, it is I don't it is. know how. I don't know how with the advent of anonymous um, digital ugliness. You know, I don't know how oh, you yeah. all. Do, I don't know how y'all do it because it's well. First of all, could we please have a little bit more civility? But that's a whole different topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'd be here for a while because it can get so vicious. I know. But you're right. I know. You have to have a thick skin. It's sad, but you do because people will say whatever they think. And I think sometimes people forget they see you on the TV and they forget that you're a person. And the things that they type are not things that they would say. So, I hate to end on a negative note like that, but it's a great it's industry. Not <laughs> I'm not sure it's a negative note. It's just, you know, believe in yourself and, and, um, you know, be a, be a kind person as you had mentioned. And, mm -hmm. you know, things are going to, things are going to fall your way. And there's always going to be somebody that, um, doesn't agree with you or, you know, it's a very subjective business, Maria Elena. We have to realize mm -hmm. that if you're applying for a job, they might not be looking for a blonde female like I right. am and right. so be it so move on so find the person who is looking for you so someone is um, yeah someone is and absolutely you know, I, as long as you are willing to be the person that will you might think it's going out of your way it's not really going out of your way because you've got to show that you can shine above and you what and it's important that you have something specific to offer so I would say to current students the same old advice, you know, work hard and uh, study a variety of topics. I just don't think that changes over time because when you're thrown right. out there in the world and, and you're asked to do, you're sent to do the story on the budget and you've got to figure out percentages. <laughs> and it's like, what does that mean in real? What does that really mean to the person right. who's watching the story at home? You think, oh, I wish I'd done a little bit better on that on <laughs> math at Penn State, but it's it's all important. It's all a learning experience. And the wonderful thing about the career that you and I chose, you never stop learning. Right. That is so it true. Gives us such educational opportunities. And if you're the kind of person who just loves to learn something, loves to be around people, you don't have to be the most outgoing person. I'm not suggesting that. But if you have a real passion for learning and and translating that into simple English, right? Because that's what <laughs> we want in broadcasting. Right. Um, or if you have a talent for writing um, cleanly and simply, uh, which is, I think, what a lot of people want to read. Yep. Then, then this business is definitely for you. And it, it's it's been an interesting one, no matter how many stories I had to do on the flu. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you did each of them one, each of them differently and well and informative. Someone learned something, I'm sure. Maria Elena, there is there is not one more angle on the flu out there. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're right. I hope I, I I'm I'm sure I could go find a go so Channel 13's archives and see all your your flu stories. Maybe someone well, let me in. I just want to end by saying that that you um, are on the air at uh, Wavy TV and you're, <laughs> you're representing Penn State so well. And I'm Aww. so proud of where uh, you've been and 
where I know that your career is going to take you. That's so kind of you. Thank you. It's nice to follow in the footsteps of another strong Penn State woman down here. It's awesome to, uh, to have that in this and market. I, I look forward to seeing you at some of our Penn State alumni oh. events because we have many Penn Staters out there. We're the largest alumni association in the world. Yep. And we do wonderful, fun things as well as continue the um, one of the tenets of Penn State education is to give back to your community. And we Absolutely. do that. Absolutely. Catherine, it's, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, sorry. I don't want to jump I on you there. I was just going to say, it's, a it's been a pleasure and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. This was our third episode of the Penn State Conversations for everyone who is able to join us today. This, uh, stay tuned for the next episode and have a great rest of your day. Penn State Conversations are presented by the Young Alumni Council of the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications Alumni Society Board. The Alumni Society Board aims to help elevate the stature of the college through dialogue with faculty, students, the dean, and associate deans. And the Young Alumni Council aims to foster a strong connection between young alumni and the college to inspire lifelong support and involvement. For more information or to learn how you can get involved, please visit belisario.psu.edu slash alumni.